Please would you keep that passage open in Ecclesiastes uh, that uh, we've just looked at together. And if you've closed your Bible, if you're using a church Bible, it's on page 671. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you've given us our life. To each of us, this complex, sometimes confusing, sometimes glorious experience of what it is to be alive. Father, we come this morning as individuals with all kinds of different experiences of the last week and the last month and different experiences of life. But Father, we come to you. We come to you, the one who has given us our life and given us a life with purpose and meaning. And so, Father, we ask that as we engage with what you're saying to us through this book of Ecclesiastes, that you will speak into our hearts, that you'll bring change to us, that you'll bring healing where there needs to be healing, encouragement where there needs to be encouragement, challenge, where there needs to be challenge. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're on a series in Ecclesiastes, and uh, we're on the third one. Here's the third lesson, the third life lesson from Ecclesiastes. Ready for it? You're going to grow old. Live long enough, and you will grow old. You didn't expect that, did you? (laughs) I mean, we don't expect to grow old, do we? We don't expect to be anything other than we are. I I don't know whether you've had this experience, but somewhere along the line, I I decided that um, I didn't like having my photograph taken. I've never been very good at having my photograph taken anyway because I have what's called, in some circles, resting bitch face. And so I find it impossible to smile. That's probably going to be deleted from the recording. But but the thing that changed for me was there was a time when secretly I loved having my photograph taken, especially when I had my best side displayed. And I could look at that and think, isn't he young? Isn't he handsome? What an amazing guy. But somewhere along the line, I realized I'd become reticent about having my photograph taken. See, time goes in one direction, one direction only. Live long enough and you will grow old. And there's something inside us that seems to rebel against that. We cannot, as I say, those of us who are younger, those of us who are still active, we can't imagine being anything other than we are. It's like those moments where you go and have an operation, or you go and see the doctor and have some treatment, and they give you some drugs, and you realize you are out of control. You cannot control your body in the way that you normally would. And it's a really, really disturbing experience. And so we cannot imagine 
what it will be like not to play squash, not to surf, not to be active in the way that we currently are. And we live in a culture that worships youthfulness and which feeds us with these delusions of ongoing youth. And so there are drugs, there are medical procedures, and if all else fails, there's Photoshop. <laughs> Forever young. Third lesson of Ecclesiastes is live long enough, you will grow old. And in chapter 3, there's a wonderful, powerful, uh, chapter 12, rather, wonderful, powerful description, a poetic description that Susie just read to us of what it means to grow old. Let me come at it a slightly different way. I want you to imagine that you go back to somewhere that you knew in your childhood when you were growing up, maybe the place where you were born and brought up. And you come to this town that's so full of memories. You remember the main street. You remember the people who lived on either side of you. You remember how vibrant it was. You can, you can in your mind's eye, walk down the street and say, I know who lived at 160. I know who lived at 162. I can remember the laughs. I can remember the vitality. I can remember the pride with which people looked after their houses. And you go back all those years later, and the street's empty. And it's silent apart from an idle wind that blows down the street. And there's no sound of laughter, and there's no sound of fun, and you walk past the houses, and they're silent. No activity. Those once thriving little shops are now boarded up. And those once proud houses, meticulously maintained, are now dilapidated and falling apart. And all you're confronted with is a sense of decay. That's the description the writer of Ecclesiastes is portraying in chapter 12. It is a picture of decay, of loss, of no longer having the desires that we once had, of no longer being able to do the things that we once did, of no longer being able to hear the things that we once heard. The birds sing, but we don't hear it in the same way anymore because our faculties are fading. Live long enough and you will grow old. And you won't be able to do the things that you once did, that you currently do. The things that you did in your 20s, you will not be able to do in your 60s or your 70s or your 80s. That is life under the sun. So here's the question. How should we live in this life under the sun where everything is fleeting, including our own vigor and pleasure 
our own lives are fading, how should we live? I've got three lessons for us this morning, three applications rather, from Ecclesiastes about how we should live our life under the sun, given that it's fleeting and passing. The first one is this, don't waste your life. Don't waste your life. Have a look at how he starts at the beginning of chapter 12. Remember your Creator in the days of your youth, when you're young. Youthfulness is characterized by a sense of opportunity, by vitality, by the, the whole question of potential, of what's possible. We take risks when we are young that we would never take when we get older. Remember your Creator in the days of your youth. When life is at its best, when you have the most vigor, the most chances to do things, when you can make the most risks, don't waste your life. Why? Well, because life has all kinds of possibilities, doesn't it? And when you're young, you can attempt all kinds of things. And you can give your life when you're young to the pursuit of endless numbers of things. You can pursue your career. Give your youth to pursuing that. You can pursue love. You can pursue money. You can pursue enjoyment. You can pursue thrill. You can pursue adventure. There are all kinds of things, and many of them are good. They are gifts of God in creation. But the writer reminds us, remember your creator when you're young, when your life is at its most vigorous. Why? Because, because your life is passing and one day it will be too late. One day it will be too late. Life goes in one direction. and When you lose your youth, you can't get it back. Look at what he says here in chapter, um, oh, we'll come to the verse later on. One day, one day it will be too late. It will, will have gone. You won't be young forever. But not only is it that, it's that life is a gift. It's not your life. Your life and mine is a gift, 100% gift. And it's given to us for a purpose, for a reason. As I said, there are so many things that you can devote your life to. Money, pleasure, success, power. Good things in themselves. But that's not why God has given you your life. When we get to the end of Ecclesiastes, which we'll look at in a few weeks' time in chapter 12, the writer says, let's sum everything up. Having said everything, examined everything, he is the core of your life and what he should be about. Fear God. Fear God and keep his commands. 
which is the Old Testament of equivalent of love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's why your life has been given. That's why he says, remember your creator in the days of your youth, because one day it will pass and it's not your life. So chapter 11, verse 9, just flick back to the previous chapter, to verse 9. You who are young, be happy while you're young and let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see. But, but, know that for all these things God will bring you into judgment. We are accountable for how we live our lives. And one day we won't be able to do the things that we once could do. Don't waste your life. Life is more than career. It's more than success. It's more than money. It's more even than family and love. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. Parents, in a sense, this is your job description. All kinds of things that you want for your children, rightly. Health, career, love, success, happiness. But above everything else, your job as parents is to teach your children to remember their creator when they're young. Fail in that. And you failed in the most important thing. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. Life is passing. One day it will be too late. We can't recapture our youth. And it's not your life. Life is a gift. And we will have to give account for our life and what we've done with it. Here's the second thing. Embrace your life under the sun. Whatever stage of life you're at, embrace it. If you're young, and while you're young, enjoy your youth. Look at what he says back in chapter 11, verse 9. You who are young, be happy while you're young. Let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see. If you're young, enjoy your youth. It's a gift. Go surfing. Delight in it. Delight in the things that you can do with your body, physically, mentally. But don't cling on to your youth. Don't cling on to it. Because remember, it's passing. It's passing. It's not everything. And that means life isn't all over when you get older. And it means aging is not some kind of aberration. It is part and parcel of life under the sun. It's the nature of life under the sun. So as we get older and we can't do the things that we could, and as we reach that moment of realization, where even though there are people older than we are, we have to admit we're getting old. 
It's not because God has abandoned you. It's not because your life is over. It is the nature of life under the sun. And so whatever stage of life that you're at, embrace it. Look at what he says in chapter 11, verse 10. Banish anxiety from your heart and cast off the troubles of your body, for youth and vigor are, cross out, meaningless, fleeting. Enjoy your youth, but don't cling to it. It's not the sum total of life. It is not the center of life. There should be a certain lightness in our spirits as our youth fades and our age comes. Because it's the nature of life under the sun. And by the way, remember you're only old when you're old. You're only old when you're old, which is not about delusion. It is, as long as you can do what you do, do as much as you can while you can for as long as you can. I, I was really struck the other day. I, w- I was reminded from uh, Exodus chapter 7, I think it is, when Moses and Aaron started on their great adventure, commissioned by God to lead his people out of Egypt. Massive job. They were respectively 80 and 83 years old. Some of you are looking very nervous. <laughs> wow, what might tomorrow bring? You're only old when you're old. As the writer puts it in chapter 9 and verse 10, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Do what you can, all you can, while you can, for as long as you can. But remember, it's passing. Don't waste your life. Embrace your life, whatever stage you're at. Embrace it. Last thing. You can start again. You can have a new start. It's said sometimes of youth that youth tends to look forward. When the exams are over, when I meet the love of my life, when my career comes together, youth is full of opportunities, it seems, that are endless. And so there's that sense of, where's my life going? Isn't that exciting? But as we get older, the number of opportunities begin to close down. And there is a tendency as we get older to think about the past, memories, the now digitalized photo album. And then there are the regrets. The regrets. I have never, ever met anyone who's been honest with me, who hasn't said to me that there are things in their past that they regret. Things that they've done, ways that they've hurt themselves and other people, life choices that they have made that have in some cases utterly blighted their lives, and often the lives of other people. 
But here's the thing. Here's the thing. You can have a new start. A real new start. I'd like you to turn to the New Testament, uh, to John's Gospel and to John 3. It's a very famous passage. John chapter 3. It's an incident where one of the theologians of Jesus' time, uh, an intellectual, comes to Jesus. Page 1064. There's a man called Nicodemus. He's a ruler of the people. As he is, so is his name. Nicodemus, ruler of the people. He's a very smart guy, and he comes to Jesus with a question. And I want you to notice it's a spiritual question that he asks. It's about what Jesus has been teaching, and where does that come from? What's the authority? What are they to make? What is he to make of it? And in chapter 3 and verse 3, Jesus says, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Jesus talks about the new birth, a birth that comes from above, from God, a new beginning, a new start. And Nicodemus, in verse 4, asks a question. He says, how is that possible? He says, how is it possible? How could somebody go back to the beginning and to their mother's womb and start again? That is not a biological question he's asking. Nicodemus is a really smart guy and he's a theologian. He's having a spiritual conversation with Jesus. The question is not about biology. It's a question about the past. How can the past be dealt with? How can all that stuff that's happened that makes me the person I am today, how is it possible to go back and start again? It's an important question, isn't it? It's an important question. And Jesus says it is possible. It is possible. If you are born from above, it is a new beginning. The past is dealt with. And you are given a new, renewed life. It's a bit like one of those vintage cars that you see sometimes. You know, it's been out in a shed for the last 50 years or something. It's falling apart. The windows are broken. The chickens have found their rooster in there. It, it's, it's not even worth selling for scrap. But you take it to a master restorer and the team get to work on it. And one day you get a call saying the car's ready and you go back and they say, have a look. And you don't recognize what you're looking at. It looks better than the photographs you've got of that car when it first rolled out of the showroom. It is magnificent. It's the same car, but it's a new one. It still has the history, but it's renewed. 
When God gives us a new birth, when we put our trust in Jesus Christ and experience that birth from above, God deals with our past, not just because he forgives the past, which he does, but he restores the past to us. But it's changed. And those things that we are most disturbed by that we've done, most regret, even those things, even though we will never see it fully in this life, the truth of the matter is, God takes those things and brings them back to us and they are changed, transformed into something completely different. And that means that when you've experienced new birth, you can look on your past, not with regret, but with a thankfulness that even in those things that you did or didn't do, God has changed them. It's not that you look back and say, I'm really pleased I did that. It doesn't make what you did right, but it's the extraordinary power and grace of God that he's changed even the worst things in our past. You can have a new start. So if some of you are saying this morning, I feel really depressed because, Graham, you've just said to me about not wasting your youth, and I feel as if I've wasted my youth. I've had people come to me over the years, and they've said to me, Graham, I really wish that I'd come to Jesus when I was in my 20s, not when I was in my 60s. I really wish that I could have given Jesus the best years of my life. And the answer is, when you're born from above, you get a new life. And even those wasted years, as you want to put it, are not, because they've been transformed by Jesus. You get the past back, and you get a new present. It means you can get up every morning, whatever stage of life that you're at, and say, today's a new day. It's the day of my new birth, the day of my new life, and I'm going to seize the opportunity to do everything I can to live for my Creator, to follow Jesus. Seize the day, whatever the past has been. Today's a new day. And this life under the sun that's fleeting matters. What we do with our life under the sun matters. And one day, all of it will be transformed. Because life under the sun is passing. And one day, as Brian prayed, we will experience in all its fullness life under the sun. The new creation. The kingdom. Resurrection. And that means we will be able to look back from the perspective of the new creation and look at everything in our life and begin to see what God has done with it. The good, but the bad also. Transformed because of what Jesus has done. We get our past back. Today's a new day. And we're heading for a new future. And what we're doing in this life counts for the future. So let me finish with some words from 1 Corinthians. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter, uh, 2 Corinthians rather, chapter 4 says this. 
You don't need to turn to it. It's verse 16 if you want to jot it down. Therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed every day. We don't lose heart. I wonder if there are some of you here this morning and you're still plagued by the regrets from the past. It causes you to lose heart sometimes. Don't lose heart. New birth means new past. For our lighter momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. What's happening now, in the good as well as the bad, has to do with the future. Don't lose heart. What you're going through, what you're experiencing in life under the sun, what you're experiencing now, which might be disappointment, it might be tragedy, it might be frustration, it's of significance. Don't lose heart. So we fix our eyes not on what's seen, but on what's unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Life under the sun's passing. But life under the sun is eternal. Let's pray. Father, as we began, the reminder that you've given us our life and sometimes we look at our lives and they seem to be confusing and complex and sometimes we're discouraged. Sometimes we wonder what we've done and how we've got ourselves to where we are today and we have regrets. Father, help us to see life under the sun as it is and help us to see what life under Jesus means, what it means to have experienced the new birth and how that changes everything, past, present, and future. And help us to live out our life under the sun with a joy that comes from knowing who you are and what you're doing in us. In Jesus' name we pray.